Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, November 4th, 2021. When you are dead and gone, what will you leave behind? What will your legacy be? When people think of you, what will they remember? When people think of following in your footsteps, what is it that they will want to do? And as we consider all of those questions, we get an inside look in how one person, one hero of the faith would answer those questions as we look at the second half of the first chapter of Second Peter. And so here we're dealing with a very familiar character in the Bible, the Apostle Peter. Even in the Gospels, he's clearly one of the most prominent disciples, one of the most outspoken disciples. And then in the book of Acts, he goes on to be one of the main characters, one of the main leaders. But now he is writing this letter, and you can see his thoughts are even on the end of his life and his legacy. And we see that as we start and and we look at verses 12 through 21 today. But look at what he says, starting in verse 12. He says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, that though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. And so there you see, he knows he is about to die. And it's interesting. He makes it clear that the Lord Jesus Christ had told him this. And even in our study of the Gospel of John, as we'll be wrapping that up in the coming weeks, we're going to see even where Christ makes clear to Peter how he is going to die. But Peter knows this is coming uh, soon. And so he's saying, this is my legacy that I want to leave behind to you. And we see a couple things that he really emphasizes. And here he's clearly reminding them of the godly character that we talked about yesterday. He's saying, I want to remind you of these qualities. Well, what's he talking about? Well, the the eight virtues that he mentioned yesterday, faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. He's saying, I want to remind you of these things after I'm dead and gone. I want you to remember these things. I want you to live out these things. And then he makes clear, well, where is all of this coming from? And it's not coming from Peter. It's not coming from his desires. It's coming from the word of God. And that's what we see in kind of the rest of chapter one, starting in verse 16, where he really reminds them of the power and the truth of what they believe. That he says, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we were made, when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And so he talks about even just his own witness, that these things are true, that he saw what, what happened. And he even talks about the experience of the transfiguration. But then he says, there's even something better just than my experience. In verse 19, he says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which 
You will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so there we're really reminded of the power of the truth and the authority and inspiration of the Bible. And so as Peter is kind of knowing that death is coming and really faced with what is his legacy going to be, he looks at these uh, beloved fellow Christians and he says, after I'm dead and gone, guys, pursue godly character and hold on to God's word. And now as we consider that truth, we all need to ask ourselves, is that the legacy we are seeking to live for as believers who have read the words that Peter wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Are we listening to what he is saying us to us? And even though he is dead and gone, we have the scriptures more fully confirmed, these inspired words of God telling us, Hey, pursue godly character and hold on tight to God's word. Is that what you are living for? Are those the biggest priorities in your life? I want to be like Jesus and I want to hold on to his word. And I love how it describes it. Hold on to it or pay attention to it as a lamp shining in a dark place. And we know this world is a dark place and the word of God is our lamp to guide us rightly. And so as we consider that, we also want to ask ourselves, what legacy are we leaving? When we are dead and gone, will people remember us and say, man, you know what I need? Godly character and God's word. Those are the things that I want to invest in. And I hope we're challenged to think about those things as we consider First Peter or Second Peter and the rest of chapter one there. Well, next, let's move on to Psalm 119, where I think we see a heart that very much longs for those things, godly character and the word of God. As we look today at verses 153 to 160, and here you can tell he is in a dark place, not just so much in his mood, but because there are people opposing him. In verse 157, it says, many are my persecutors and my adversaries. He has many that are against him, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. I look at the faithless with disgust because they do not keep your commands. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. So there you see that same heart coming from the psalmist here as he says, even though I'm surrounded by opposition, the things that I'm holding on to, the legacy that I am aiming for is one of godly character, living according to God's righteous rules and really God's word, valuing that the sum of your word is truth. In the midst of all this opposition, what what he is longing for is God, I'm holding on to your word and I'm valuing your precepts, your ways. That's how I want to live. 
And that's the way that those are the things that we should value. And again, we remember that the central theme of God's word really points us to Jesus Christ. None of this holding on to God's word and pursuing godly character can be done as a way to earn our salvation or to earn favor with God. But as those who have looked upon Christ, confessed our sin, turned from it, and put our faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, and now he has written his law on our hearts, these should be the goals of our life. Out of love, out of faith, out of honor for him. I want to be like Christ and I'm going to hold on to his word, his word that showed me my sin, his word that showed me Christ. That's the same word that's going to show me how to live in this dark world until I make it to glory. And even just as we think about the authority of God's word, we get another picture of that in John chapter 7 today. So you remember yesterday, Jesus kind of goes up late to this feast of tabernacles or the feast of booths. And in the middle of the feast, it says, as we're looking at verses 14 through 24 today, it says he went into the temple and began teaching. And people are amazed at this. And they say, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? Hey, where did you go to school? Because he had not been a student, you know, of any of the prime religious leaders of the day. He had not studied under a great rabbi. And basically saying, where did I go to school? I went to school in heaven. Because he makes it clear, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. And then he calls them out really for their hypocrisy that they say they study the law, but they're seeking to kill him. Uh, That's murder. Um, And so they need to judge with right judgment. But again, you see the authority of God's word even there expressed in what Jesus is uh, saying and and teaching here. He's pointing them really to the authority of his words. And and we get a glimpse of that there in John chapter 7. Finally, we wrap up in Jeremiah 49 and 50 today. And remember yesterday, we talked about looking at the wrath of God, looking at the mercy of God, looking at why God's judgment is coming, uh, praying for our own nation. But today it's very interesting to look, especially at chapter 50 and God's judgment on Babylon. And now we know that Babylon was used by God to bring judgment on uh, the nation of Judah, really on the the Israelites on them because of their unfaithfulness. And so it's interesting to see that even in the wake of that, Babylon is judged. And I think there is an important lesson that we see even in other books of scripture to really trust God's sovereignty. You think of the prophet Habakkuk and how he cries out to God saying, you know, how can you let all this sin go amongst your people? And then God says, yeah, I'm going to bring the Babylonians in to judge them. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, we're bad, but the Babylonians, that's who you're going to use? Well, here we're reminded of the justice of God, that even though he used this wicked nation to accomplish his purposes, they are not getting away with their own wickedness, but God will judge them. And so even just as we look out at the world and we see things that in our own time will make us scratch our heads and say, you know, why are these wicked people prospering or um, why do they seem to be 
winning in these nations or winning these elections or whatever it may be, that we can trust God is in control and he will take care in his way, in his time, those who oppose him. And we can trust that. And as we trust God's sovereignty, even over the nations, may we be reminded of our need to pursue the most important things just in our own life of pursuing these godly characteristics that we saw in Second Peter and holding on tight to God's word. May that be the legacy we all strive for, and may that be the legacy that we leave behind. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.